Have you ever had someone come to you and say the words, God told me that, and then they proceed to say something completely outrageous? Okay, well, I asked some friends of mine about some stories of of times when they've experienced this, and someone told me, a lady once told me that God said there were going to be five nuclear bombs set off in five U.S. cities on the same day. And she told me what date it would happen. She was wrong. Well, it's kind of funny, right? It's a little funny. As someone else said, I once had a woman tell me that God told her it was inappropriate for children to wear shirts without collars in gym class. I asked her why, and she replied, I just feel it in my spirit. These are people who are serious people. Uh, Another example, uh, someone said, during a revival at a Bible college, several students said that God revealed to them who they were going to marry. The problem was, it was all the same girl. Someone else said, these are real things. Someone else said, uh, this is just this week, this person was listening to Christian radio, and she said there was a trivia question presented. A woman phoned in with her answer to the trivia question and said God spoke the trivia answer to her. It was not the correct answer to the question. It left the radio announcer clearly looking for a right way to handle that, and it was definitely an awkward moment. So we have probably, many of us have heard situations in which people have said, well, God told me this, or God told me that, and we're pretty sure they're wrong. Sometimes we're not so sure if they're wrong. But it brings us to the question of how do we know when God is speaking to us? We've been looking at the book of 1 John, and the book of 1 John, it's a short five-chapter book toward the end of the New Testament. If you have not read it recently, I would encourage you to read it. It's only five chapters long. It won't take you very long. And we've been digging into this book over the last few weeks. But this book is very focused on giving confidence in the Christian life. How do we know that we are saved? How do we know that we're walking in fellowship with God? In John cha- 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, the Apostle John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He wants them to have confidence in their relationship with God. In fact, that phrase, this is how we know, he uses over and over and over again in this short little book. In chapter 3, verse 10, he says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. In chapter 2, verse 5, he says, this is how we know we are in him. In chapter 3, he says, this is how we know that we, belong to, that we belong to the truth. And later in that same chapter, he says, this is how we know that he lives in us. The Apostle John is very interested in helping us have a sense of confidence and groundedness in our position with Christ. And John wants us to have confidence because what happens when there is not confidence in a relationship? Whether it's a friendship or a marriage or church friends or neighbors or coworkers, when you don't have confidence in a relationship, what happens? You get awkward, you get, you get unhealthy, you're, you're kind of on edge, you're not sure where you stand with people, there's an uncomfortableness around it, right? We get insecure. And I think when we get insecure in relationships, we also get self-absorbed. And I think this happens in our relationship with God. When we're not confident with where we stand with Christ, we can can become insecure and self-absorbed. 
And God's not interested in that. He doesn't want that for us. He, he wants us to, have a, to be flourishing, to be God-centered, to be whole. So how can we have confidence that we hear from God when so often it seems like people get it wrong? One of the things that's interesting in our society right now is this claim that everybody has of knowing the right way to do things. Now, we've all got natural instincts. We all, some of us have better natural discernment than others. Some of us have a better sixth sense than others. Call it whatever you like. But even though those are God-given, that God designed us to have those sorts of abilities, we're still fallen people, and we live in a fallen world. And so often, we can twist and distort truth without even trying to. There's a time in Israel's history it was called the time of the judges. And this happened early on in, in the written history of Israel. In fact, if you look at the, the books of the Bible, you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. So it's real early on in Israel's history. And in this time of the judges, Israel did not have a king who was leading the people. God said, I want to be the king, and, and they didn't handle that very well. But um, because they didn't have a king, they just did what they wanted to do. Different groups of people, different individuals made up their own rules. And the, the phrase that gets repeated over and over and over again in the book of Judges is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There was no king, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I think that is a really good description of where we are today. I think that much of our sense of morality, much of our sense of hearing from God, our sense of what God would want, is not so much determined by what God actually wants, is not so much determined by, by even scripture. But we think that it's what it should be. And so we do what is right in our own eyes. We say, well, this is a Christian view on this hot topic. This is what it means to be moral. This is what God would want. But we're saying these things because it just seems to us like it's right. It's not that it's grounded in scripture. It's not that it's grounded in historic Christian faith. It's what seems right to us. And I believe there is a shifting and a splitting in culture that we are living in, even in this moment. I'm going to be talking more about this at our local church conference in a couple weeks. That night will be, it's both a business meeting where we'll be voting on delegates to our district conference and voting on some board members and things like that. Uh, but, but we also will be looking at just where has the church been. I hope that you'll be there. If you're a City Life regular, I hope that you'll come. And in this, I, I feel very aware of the shifting and this splitting in our culture. The last couple of years have significantly changed the role of church in culture. And we see the church being pulled in a couple directions. I was talking with a pastor, uh, Mick Veach, actually, at Kentwood Community Church just recently, and he said, he said, I, I've seen this over and over again. He used to be a missionary. He, seen, he said, I've seen this in other post-Christian countries around the world, where the church then, the, the broader church goes toward a compromising kind of position, and they compromise, and they, they align with culture. But then there's a biblical church that's the minority, and he says, I see this happening in the U.S., too. Where, we ha where the compromising church then becomes the mainstream and, it's, and the biblical church becomes an increasing minority. We have not experienced this as, a, as, a, as Christians mostly. We're not used to a church in which we're the minority in a culture. We're not used to a church that is experiencing uh, not being the mainstream. And the only way that we're going to navigate through the days that are ahead 
is by learning to ground ourselves in truth, to ground ourselves in the word, and to listen with discernment to the leading of God. And so in the midst of all of this, we have people saying, well, I've heard from God. What do we do with that? I think there are two major questions, two major problems when it comes to hearing God's voice. The first problem is this. Problem number one, some people have the belief that God doesn't speak to ordinary people. Some people think, well, that whole, like, God speaking to people thing, like, that's for super Christians. That's for people who have been Christians for a long time. I think that, that this is commonly believed by new or young Christians who haven't yet learned to understand how God speaks to people. I think this belief is held by cynical Christians, by Christians who have said, you know, I've seen too many people say that God told them to all marry the same person. I just don't believe that God does that. And so, th- and so there's, you know, there's some wisdom in that, but, but it's turned into a cynicism. I think also people who are haunted by guilt and shame, people are, who are so afraid of, of the sin that has been part of their lives, I think a lot of times they think, oh, God, God won't speak to me. I'm not, I'm not good enough. And I think there are also Christians who say, I want control in my life. I don't have room for this supernatural weirdness that's out there, so I don't even know what to do about this whole God speaking to me thing. But I think what we need to know, church, is that God is speaking to his people. He's all about communication. In fact, God speaks to people. He's not limited by age. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how physically mature you are. A few weeks ago, we baptized an eight-year-old girl named Rosie. And Rosie had one of the clearest baptism testimonies I have ever heard. She knows where she stands with God. She knows that she has conviction that her life was not right before. She had conviction that following Jesus is a choice for the whole rest of her life. She said, I'm being baptized because I want to follow Jesus for my whole life, for the rest of my life. She ended her testimony. Do you rem- if you were here, perhaps you remember this. She ended her testimony by saying, and I know that when I follow Jesus, I can't have any more idols. She gets it. She understands what it means to follow Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I think we have a lot to learn from children who are hearing the voice of God. In the scripture, there's a little boy, Samuel. God calls out to him, calls him by name in the middle of the night. And Samuel says, who's calling me? Who's calling me? And and finally realizes it's God calling out to him. Joseph a teenager, a teenager who had a dream, a divine dream from God. Sometimes God speaks that way. And Joseph heard from God through a divine dream, and he's just a teenager, but God spoke to him, this is going to be your future, so that he could start preparing Joseph for this. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was most likely a young teenager when she was visited by an angel, told that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. Do you believe that God speaks to children? Do you believe that God speaks to teenagers? Clearly, God calls out to people and speaks to people regardless of their age. God also speaks to people regardless of whether they're male or female. I think that we have a a thing that we see regularly in culture is this this teaching about spiritual leadership, that that spiritual leadership can only happen in one way in a home. In fact, it will probably be talked about 
in churches even on a day like today, Mother's Day, where it will be talked about that God speaks to the husband and the husband speaks to the wife, and that's how spiritual leadership works in the home. But we take out the scriptures that talk about mutual submission of husband and wife, how Christ is the head of the home, and the husband and wife exercise authority over the home together. And I think, church, that too many wives hide behind a spiritual apathy because they're, say, they're waiting for their husbands to lead. But you are going to be held accountable for being faithful and obedient to God. God is not limited in who he speaks to. In fact, in Joel 2, verse 28, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters, will prophesy. God gets to pick who he talks to. Let's not limit him in that. A, a, third, a third thing that God's not, he's not limited by our age, he's not limited by our gender, God is also not limited by our spiritual maturity. God speaks to people across the spectrum. He speaks to spiritually immature people. He speaks to mature people. God speaks to kings and prophets and spiritual leaders and apostles. And God speaks through donkeys. He's not limited in how he communicates to us. Does God speak to all of his people? Yes, he does. The thing is, is that God is very interested in communicating with us. That's the message that we see over and over in Scripture is God is trying to reach us. He's calling out to us. He's speaking truth to us. We have, in Scripture, we read that Jesus is the Word. The Scripture says, in the beginning was the Word. This is a, a method of communication. This is the Word. This is what you need to know. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. God was the Word. The word became flesh. So this communication, this message of truth, put on skin and bones and came to personally deliver this message to us. Then we also have the scriptures, which we call the what of God? The word of God. This is the written word revealed to us divinely by God. We are told, as Christians then, in the New Testament at the Great Commission, we are told to share the word we have been given the gospel, which means news, which means information to pass along. Do you see this theme of communication? That from the very beginning, God didn't just create us to then go exist and live our own little lives and he's going to stay far away out there. He's all about connecting and communicating and speaking his word to us so we can hear and know him. God's all about communicating with us. And so when I'm talking about hearing God's word today, about, about receiving his word. I'm talking about it in, in a broad sense. I do mean it in terms of our spirits sensing the Holy Spirit communicating to us. But I also mean hearing God's word through the written scripture, hearing God's word through interaction with other believers, with other people who speak in such a way that draw you closer to God's word. God is not limited in how he speaks to us or if he speaks to us. God does want to speak to ordinary people, and that is such good news for us today. The second problem, the second problem that it comes to hearing God's voice is what, what I illustrated at the beginning of this message with those kind of those crazy stories. The second problem is mistaking your voice for the Holy Spirit's. The problem is when you say, God told me, but that's no God voice, that's a you voice. We need to learn to discern. We need to learn to discern. 
And chances are you're going to get this wrong sometimes. And if you do, be humble, admit it, say I was wrong. How can we more accurately hear from God? I'm going to give you three ways, that you, three lifestyles, three things that you can do to make yourself more likely to hear accurately from God. Now, these aren't foolproof. It's still possible for you to mess it up. But these are things that if you practice these things, you are more likely to hear accurately from God. The first one is this. How can I be more likely to accurately hear from God? Number one, obey scripture. Obey scripture. Now, let's first talk about the word obey. Now, obey is not a very happy word. Obey, obey is an annoying word. It feels like a restrictive word. If someone were to come to you as an adult and say, hey, you need to obey something, it, you'd be a little bit miffed, right? We think of obedience as really important for children, right? Amen? Amen? Yes, obedience is really important for children. We think of obedience as really important for teenagers, but we understand that they're probably going to mess that up at some point, right? Okay, yep. What about adults? What about adults? Oh, oh, we're, we're above that. We don't need obedience anymore. We're Christians, so we live in freedom, which means we can do what we want, which means, you know, there's grace for all stuff, so if we met, we, yeah, let's focus on freedom. There's truth in freedom, but just so you know, freedom comes through obedience. You stay free in society and not in jail because you obey laws. You stay free with God because you obey his laws. We think of obedience as something that we are above. And yet, we are challenged in, in the book of 1 John in particular to take obedience to God's laws seriously. Okay, so that's a obedience. The, the point here, though, is obey Scripture. Now, right off the bat, we have a problem. Because often, what you think is in Scripture is not what is actually in Scripture, you think, oh, this is good, this is moral, this seems godly. But where are you getting that from, people? If it's not coming directly from Scripture, you're making it up. And you're not going to know what is in Scripture unless you are reading Scripture. A lot of us think we're obeying, obeying God because like the people in the time of Judges, we are doing what seems right to us. We need to examine the Scriptures Read the scriptures. Get an IV of scripture into our veins, flowing on a daily basis. Immerse ourselves in scripture. I don't care if you've already read the Bible. You need to be in the scripture. I don't care if you know all the stories. I don't care if you know everything in the Bible. You don't, but if you think you do, get in it and let the word of God wash over you freshly because you have no idea what God wants to bring out and highlight to you and do in you. I'm, right now, I am having my devotions in the Minor Prophets. I just read the book of Obadiah this week. It's, yes, dry. It is dry. And yet, there's kind of been this beautiful thing that God's been shaping in my heart as I've been reading through these, these kind of complicated, and co it was like, I think it was a prophecy against Moab. It was a prophecy against some other, some other place. 
And um, I'm like, okay, but the Lord's using it in me and challenging me in ways that I wasn't, I wouldn't have gone to Obadiah to study Obadiah. This is what God does when we plug into his word and we let the word wash over us and fill us up every day. If you want to put yourself on a path to hear God, obey scripture. Get in his word and do what it says. Get in his word and do what it says. Anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it sins. That's in the book of James. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5 says, This is how we know we are in him. Actually, we read this one out loud with me. This is one of the this is how we know passages. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I have no idea where we get this idea of, I'm a Christian and I'm saved by grace so I can do whatever I want. That is not a biblical concept. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. If your walk doesn't look like Jesus, you are not living with him. You are not in fellowship with God. How we live matters. The holiness of our lives matter. This doesn't mean we're going to get it right all the time. This means that we're going to have issues with doing it. But as we are on a trajectory of seeking to follow God and, see, and repenting of sin and repenting of, of the darkness, repenting of things that, that are hindering our relationship with Christ, he, he's going to take us forward in that. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, he says, what are those first few words? This is how we know, okay, good. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Now, right away, everyone's feeling a little uncomfortable, like, ooh, he's a children of the devil. Who are the children of the devil? Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who does not love his brother. Two weeks ago, we talked about the themes in 1 John and how 1 John is written to help us have confidence in our salvation, to help us know where we stand with God. And there are two major themes that keep coming up over and over in this book. John's saying two things. First of all, obey God's commands. And second, love your brothers, love your enemies, love people. And and so we have this here. How we live matters. If you want to hear from God immerse yourself in scripture, and to the best of your ability, do what it says. Obey everything you know. Number two, you're more likely to hear from God if you align with the apostles. Okay, now I know that's a little bit of a mouthful. Can you say align with the apostles? Let me explain what that meant, because it sounds a little stuffy. This is a point that I actually haven't paid a lot of attention to, and it's only been in my study of 1 John that I've been paying a lot more attention to this. Uh, Last week, Pastor Adam talked about how what we believe about God is inherited, that we inherit a faith. We're not making up a new faith. We're not making up a new religion, that this comes from generations outside of us. It comes from the apostles. And as I read through the book of 1 John, over and over and over again, I hear John the Apostle telling the people in his church, pay attention to the teachings that you heard from me and from the other apostles. And John just comes right out and says, we're right, and all the other spiritual teachers out there teaching other things, they're wrong. 
He just says that. And he says, it is very important for you to stay connected to the apostolic teaching, the teaching from the apostles. He says, anything outside of that is extra and is beyond and is not necessarily in alignment with the truth. So the apostolic teachings come from the apostles. So it's the 12 apostles and the apostle Paul. And so you have the gospel of Matthew, which was written by the apostle Matthew. You have the the gospel of John, which was written by the apostle John. You have James, the book of James, which was written by the Apostle James. You have uh, the books of Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians that were written by the Apostle Paul. And, and the message here is stay connected to the apostolic teachings. And over and over and over, John, er, John is saying you need to pay attention to these things. He says in John chapter 1, verse 3, we meaning he and the other apostles, John chapter 1, or excuse me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. He says, we, the apostles, heard it. We're passing it along, just like we're supposed to. He says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 24, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And he says in chapter 2, verse 7, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but what? An old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. He says, don't go looking for new information. All the foundations that you need are right here. Stop trying to find this big new best thing, this big new teaching that's a little bit more modern and a little bit more up to date. Maybe we're going to do an unusual interpretation of scripture. We're going to kind of twist and turn scripture a little bit instead of having a plain reading of scripture. We're going to crave the new best thing and we think we're we're good Christians if we jump on the latest spiritual fad. And he says, nope. Don't have any new info for you. It's the old news. It's the old commands that you've got. They're still true. It's what you've heard from the beginning. It was the foundations that matter. It's listening to the apostles that matter. This reminded me of a book that came out a couple decades ago called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Anybody remember that book? And it's a, it was just a collection of essays, and it, it was kind of this cute idea. Like, you learn all the important things when you're five. You learn things like share everything. You learn things like, don't hit people. Uh, You learn things like, play fair. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. And I like this one. When you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. And it's just the idea that we kind of learn the foundations of life in that kind of setting. And I think that in a much more significant and important way, the Apostle John is saying the same thing. He's saying, The foundations have been presented to you by the apostolic teaching. Stick with scripture. Don't get caught up in trying to find the new best thing. Become rooted in the true foundations. You're more likely, church, to hear from God if you quit trying to twist scripture to mean something that you want it to say, and if instead you study the apostles and let the scripture, the word of God, lead you. Third, 
you're more likely to accurately hear from God if you submit to God's communication plan. We're working on our communication plan at City Life right now. So we're updating things like, this is how we do social media posts. This is how we pull our newsletter information together. By the way, if you don't receive our newsletter yet, please fill the communication card and drop it off at the welcome table. You can opt for a paper copy once a month or a digital copy once a month. We don't spam you with stuff, but we'd love to keep you connected to church stuff. So we've been working on our communication stuff, working on our website, and in these conversations, we're determining things like, what do people really need to hear? When do they need to hear it? How much time in advance do they need to know things? What is our method of communication? What words do we use? What's the tone that we use? How do we do this? And the thing is, is that God has a communication plan for you. He has things he wants to say to you. He has scripture that he wants you to hear and receive. He has promptings from the Holy Spirit he wants you to receive. He has a mission that he's calling you out to, and he has a place for you to work that out in some unique way. God has things he wants to communicate to you. The problem is that sometimes we want to talk about different things than what God wants to talk to us about. So we go to God, and we say, God, I've got this problem. And God's like, um, I'd like to talk about that problem. And we say, no, God, um, really, this problem's worse. That's not a big deal right now. This is the thing that's really a big deal right now. So God, I need you to answer me. I need you to tell me um, how, to, how to address this. And God says, um, let's start with, I love you. And you're like, nope, I didn't ask that question. Uh, God, help me with my problem. God says, well, let's, let's work on your character. I, I want to address this problem with your character. And you say, God, that is not the issue. That my character is not the issue. My issue is I've got this problem. God, you need to answer this question for me. This is, I have an urgent need. I need you to answer this. And God says, but, but I want you to work on this other thing right now. And you say, no, I don't want to. That's not my problem right now. And God says, um, yes, it is. And then what we do is we get all mad. And we say, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Why doesn't God speak to me? I'm calling out to him and he's not answering me. I feel so distant from God. He feels so far away. Because we're committed to our own method of communication with God, not willing to pay attention to his. This is a common problem. We're stubborn. We're self-centered. We are fixated on our own reality. We insist on our own way. And we demand that God function how we believe he should. 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. What if that said, if we ask anything according to our will, he hears us? But if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If you're praying, church, throw in that phrase from time to time. God, I pray for this if it's your will. God, if it's your will, please make this happen. It, it, he doesn't need to hear that, but you need to hear it. You need to be reminded that your heart needs to align with his. God wants to speak to us. And he wants, he wants us to be immersed in his word and to be obedient. He wants us to to um, be committed to the apostolic teachings, to be grounded in the things that matter. He wants us to be receptive to, to the fact that 
this is a two-way communication and that, and that he's got a plan. If you do these things, you're, you're more likely to hear God's voice accurately. Now, can God speak to you if you're, being, if you're disobeying the scripture? Yeah. Can God speak to you if you are out of alignment with the apostles' teachings and you're kind of whacked out? Yes. And hopefully in his grace, he will call you back. That, that's one of the things the Holy Spirit does is convict us of sin and, and pull us back. Can God speak to you even if you're being stubborn and demanding? Absolutely. He's not limited by any of those things. I'm just saying, it's easier. If you are in fellowship with God, if you are in step with the Holy Spirit, it's easier when you're not fighting against him. It's, it's easier to hear from him. It's easier to not get tripped up on your own self in the process. And as a church, if, if we can dig in to saying, I, I just commit to being an obedient adult, obedient to God's word. If we can dig into saying, I'm, I'm committed to studying the scriptures so I know the apostolic way. If we can say, I'm probably going to mess this up, but I'm, I'm really going to try to submit to God and, and not insist on my own way, but just say, God, help me to be open. As we do these practices, these kinds of things can create space for the Holy Spirit to communicate with us just like we need to hear. These kinds of things help unplug our ears and make us more able to hear how God is speaking. These kinds of things actually change us. And the wiring of our brains, our, our human wiring, leads us toward these fatalistic questions that lead us into doubt and lead us into despair. God has a way of changing the questions so that the things that seem so important to us to figure out become less important. I don't know how to explain it other than he does that. He creates these shifts in our souls. As I was thinking about this message and why it was important for us, I just fully believe that God wants to communicate with you. He's shown us that from the very beginning where he created Adam and Eve to be in close fellowship with God. And when that fellowship got disrupted, God sent Jesus, the word with skin on, to go and to draw us to himself. He came personally because he wanted us. He lived among people. He trained people. He called people. And then he commissioned people to go and tell, the apostles to go and tell people, this is what Jesus says and how to live. He wants to communicate with us. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit. In just a couple weeks, we'll be celebrating Pentecost Sunday, which is the giving of the Holy Spirit to all believers. And this, if you are a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you and enables you to have a connection with God that was not otherwise there. God is reaching out to you. God is calling out to you, and he wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to be connected with you. He wants to gently probe you when you're going in the wrong way. He wants to encourage you when you're taking the narrow path that is hard and difficult. He wants to say, keep on going when you're doing the hard but right thing. He wants to pat you on the back and say, don't give up. He wants to challenge you and say, there's more for you. Don't settle. God's calling out to you. He has a great plan for you. He has a great mission that you've been invited into. God wants to speak to you. 
He wants holiness for you because it's good for you. He wants you to become your true self, the you that he imagined when he created you, the you that he imagined when he knit you together in your mother's womb. He created a future for you and a life for you. God wants to speak to you because he has a mission for you to be involved in, kingdom things that you, all of us ordinary people, get to do. He wants to speak to you. And so, church, I I hope that today, as you've been listening, I hope that you've been sensing even the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe a sense of challenge, like, oh, I, I think I'm a little more susceptible to this problem. Or I, I didn't I haven't really been that convinced that God wanted to speak to me. Maybe I need to pay a little more attention. Part of my journey, I, I get to walk through uh, pre- preparing for a message like this, thinking about what it means for me. And uh, yesterday, after working on this message all week, it hit me. I, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, Christy, you know, you know exactly what I've been wanting to change in your life, and you haven't been listening. And so I've got some questions for you. Uh, take a, take a, something to write with in a piece of paper near you. And I'd like to take just a few moments for you and God to just think together and be together. Ask God, God, what do you want to say to me? Ask God right now, God, what do I need to hear? The first question is, what most often gets in the way of you hearing from God? Is it this sense of obedience is for kids, not for me? I've got freedom. Could it be apostolic teaching sounds old-fashioned and irrelevant and not modern, and I'm smarter than that? I know better. Could it be this question? I want God to answer my questions. My questions are the most important. After he answers my questions, then maybe I'll listen to him. But my, my questions come first. Or this question. Has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you about something? It's not a question if he's talking. It's that he has been. And maybe you just haven't noticed. Maybe you've just not been paying attention. And this is a moment right here to just say, yep, God, I hear you. God, I receive that. Take a few moments and ask God what you need to hear from him today. You know, when the Holy Spirit convicts us of a sin area, the Holy Spirit convicts, the devil condemns, 
it'll be like the devil puts you under his heel and grinds you into the dirt. But the Holy Spirit convicts, and that conviction is a gift and brings life. And if the Holy Spirit is, is prompting you to repent of something, to say, yeah, this is not okay in my life. This is not okay. Confess that to God right now. Say, God, I'm sorry. This is not okay. And perhaps some of you are sensing God is calling me, to, calling me out to something, something scary, something big, something that I feel intimidated by, something that I don't understand. God's calling me out to something. God, to you we say, with your help, God, yes. I say yes. God, with your help, I will step out. God, I'm nervous. God, I don't understand it all. But I say yes. And I can no longer ignore that that's there. I can no longer set it aside and pretend like it's not for me. In this moment, I'm acknowledging that you're calling me out. And I say yes. And if there's something else that the Lord is speaking to you, just talk to him about that for a moment, just between you and him. Pay attention to the promptings, church. The thoughts that have come to mind, the things that might not even seem like this big dramatic moment, but pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit that are subtle. Because often that's how the Holy Spirit moves. And Lord God, we just rejoice that every word that comes from you is true and good. All the words that come from you that are Holy Spirit conviction are still true and good, even if they're hard. All the words that come from you that are commissioning and mission and sending us out and inviting us into, into good things are, uh, though they might be hard, they are true and they are good. All the words that come from you regarding our healing, oh God, so often we have our own ideas of what the journey to healing looks like and we want it to happen in a certain way and in a certain order and you say, nope, I'm not doing it that way. Lord, we surrender our control over those things and we just say, God, we listen. God, we listen. Heal me in your time and in your way. Bring me wholeness. Heal my grief. Heal my shame. Heal my body. God, help me to go on your journey, and I just, I receive your way and your time, God, and I just put myself in your presence and say, here I am, lead me how you want to. And I just encourage you, church, with any of these things, you may need to pray the same prayer tomorrow and the next day, and the next day you might pray it for a week, you might pray it for five months. But go on the journey with God. Go on his journey on his time. Be patient. Pay attention to how God is leading because he has so much goodness for you. And so, Jesus, we offer ourselves to you. Here we are. Putting ourselves in your presence. And as we go out of here today, give us the ability to recognize your Holy Spirit. Give us that gift, God. Stir up in this church an even deeper maturity an even deeper commitment to holiness. Stir us up. 
Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have here the sacrament of communion.